0: Thanks for joining us today for the Ramp Church podcast. We pray that you will be uplifted, empowered, and revived by this week's message. If you'd like to know more about Ramp Church Manchester, or would like to partner with us in giving, visit us over on our website ramp.church/mcr, or find us on social media. Now let's get into this week's message. Gonna be bringing her word, I know. It just gets better, doesn't it? So give her warm welcome. I know you've already given her a welcome. Well, let's just set her up nicely. Give her a warm welcome to Susanna.
1: Morning, church. How are we doing? Ooh, how are we doing? Good, good, good. good. Um, oh, it's so great to, to stand in front of you today and just share what I feel God's placed on my heart. And I just thank you leadership for giving me, well, just for the honor to do this as well. So we're just gonna jump straight in. Um, a few weeks ago, I was just in this aisle here during worship and as I worshiped, I just heard the Holy Spirit say to me, pray for the release of the sound of the trumpet of communion and fellowship. i say that again. Pray for the release of the sound of the trumpet of communion and fellowship. I believe that God is calling us at this time into a place of purposeful fellowship and communion with him, into a place of intimacy with him, into a place of his glory, into a place of deeper reverence, into a place of a greater level of holiness and purity in him and with him. Communion is that partnership, it's that partaking of Christ and that dwelling with him. So that's what I want to share about today. If we go to Exodus 19, in Exodus 19, the Israelites have been walking through the wilderness. They've left Egypt for about three months and God comes to Moses and he says, Moses, do not forget how I have taken you and the people out of Egypt, how I've done it in my tender care, in my tender compassion towards you. And it's because you are my prize possession. But today I want to make a covenant with you because you're my prize possession, because you're the promise of Abraham. So I need you to tell the people, separate yourselves in purity to me. Consecrate yourselves, that place of p- purity for two days, because on the third day oh not thursday might have been a thursday on the third day i'm coming myself to you so moses goes to the people and he tells them and he says they say whatever the lord says we will do on the third day it says in exodus 19:16 on the morning of the third day there was thunder and lightning With a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast, everybody in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God. Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God at the sound of that trumpet. And as they stood and they stood at the foot of the mountain, Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from, from it like smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violent, violently. As the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and the voice of God answered him. The people were hearing what John in Revelations 4 was to hear, the voice of the Lord as a trumpet saying, come up here, let me show you what is about to come. And as the people saw God manifest on Mount Sinai, as they saw him at the mountain trembling and the fire and the cloud, they stepped back and retreated and they said, Moses, we can't do this. We can't go to that place. We can't go forward. We can't climb that mountain you need to do it on our behalf and I'm sure Moses was so devastated because he turns around and he says guys I am afraid I am trembling I am in awe but you can't be afraid because God has manifested himself in this way that you would have fear and sin no more in other words that you would reverence him and so sin no more It's almost like God knew that they would be caught caught up in the cycle of sin for the next 40 years as they wandered the wilderness. And he was coming to say, I'm giving you a way out in having you come to a place of reverency to take away that sin that Egypt has deposited in your heart and in your desires. But they said, no, we can't do this. And as I pondered on all of this, the Lord said to me, ask me why I asked them to come up. And I was like, but you said it, God. Like, they're your prized possession. They're the inheritance of Abraham. But, you know, he was there. I wasn't. He's God. I'm not. So I asked the question, God, why did, why did you call them up? And he said, for the same reason that I gave Jesus. Could it be that... In the same way Jesus descended into the earth, put on flesh that he would be amongst you and I to reconcile man back to God, God said, I am going to descend onto this mountain that you would see me and I would be among men and I would call you back into myself. Could it be that the fire that he came as was a fire that would refine them and bring them into the purity of holiness because he desired them to be holy because he is a holy God. Because he desired them to come into a place where they could commune with him because he is a God of communion. But they said no. Oh, what a lost opportunity. Because even if we go back into verse 6, God says, if you obey me, I will make you to be a kingdom of priests. Again, evidence that he wanted to commune with them. Because the, uh, the priest was to have access straight into the holy of holies where God dwelt. The priest was to be able to hear the heart of God and stand in the position between man and God and pray and intercede. He was the guy that was gonna make the offerings and the sacrifices that would bring God into communion with man on the earth, but they said no. What a lost opportunity. And because of their disobedience, they became a kingdom, not a kingdom of priests, but a kingdom with priests. But God is so gracious. He's so gracious because he revisits that desire that he has. In the covenant that we have with Jesus Christ. He says in First Peter chapter 2, those that believe in me. You are a royal priesthood. So again, he says, I give you this opportunity to come in this position and stand in the place of constant communion. Where you get to hear my heart, where you get to see my face and not just know of me, but know me. That you get to be the person that stands before me on behalf of the nations on behalf of a people and pray my heart's cry back to me you get to know me intimately if you choose to what do we choose because yes we have that identity but are we willing to walk in it because the fact remains To walk in that priestlyhood, we have to ascend the mountain of his presence. We have to be in the place that he dwells. We have to remain and dwell in the place of purity and holiness. We have to be before his face day and night that we would know his heart's cry and we would offer to him what is worthy and not what is of the flesh in Jesus' name. You see, there is um, a prophetic word of Isaiah in Isaiah 25. And he's talking about the restoration of man or Israel back to God. And it says in Isaiah 25 that at his mountain, there is a table laid out with abundant food, that there is an aged wine, that there is a veil at the mountain that is removed, the veil of death that covers our faces, that covers the nations. But we access those things in the mountain of his presence, in the place of Zion. But today, I believe that veil isn't the veil of death because as believers, we stand in life, right? But I believe that going into the presence of God on that mountaintop is the removal of the veil of our flesh. Because to ascend the mountain is to surrender to God. It's to lay everything else down and say, I have no other desire, but the desire to see your face, the desire to know you. Because I ask God, why didn't Israel ascend that mountain? Why did they stay where they were? Is it because their desire wasn't like Moses, who? so desired to see God that he said show me your glory I will not take this promise unless you go with me was it that their desire just wasn't so great that they couldn't ascend and make that climb and I heard the Holy Spirit say they didn't trust me they didn't trust me They'd seen his hand move in power. They'd seen the signs and the wonders of him taking them out of the place of bondage. They'd gone across the Red Sea, but they still didn't trust him. Because to trust God is to know God. You can't trust in anyone that you don't know. And so to ascend that hill, there has to be a desire to know him. There has to be a desire that overrides everything that we trust in, that overrides everything that we feel lacking in. There has to be a desire in us so strong that we have to say, I need to know the face of the one that has saved me. The face of the one that has brought me out of bondage. The face of the one that has spoken to me. The face of my husband, my friend, my God. I must know the face and I don't care how hard I have to climb." how long I have to climb how hard I have to pray how much I need to get in this word how much I need to worship I will do it in spirit and in truth because I must know you not know what you can give me but know you everything else has to be left aside I have to know your face in Jesus name and I'll just finish with this in Hebrews 12 the writer talks about Mount Sinai and Mount Zion. And he says, we don't have Mount Sinai anymore. We don't have that physical mountain that shakes and has the fire of God around it. We have the invisible mountain of Mount Zion. Mount Zion is the place that God dwells. It's his presence. But the writer says, don't take it lightly just because you can't see it there is still a responsibility to have that reverency, to climb and not stay at the foot of the mountain. Because to stay at the foot of the mountain is to be lukewarm. To stay at the foot of the mountain is to be a Christian that just wants what's in God's hand and not know his heart. So he says, you climb that mountain and you be obedient. It's a warning of obedience because he says when God spoke on Mount Sinai. He came and and descended on the mountain and the mountain shook. But now we have God in heaven. And when he speaks from heaven, everything shakes. The earth shakes, the seas shake, everything that we've trusted in, man-made things, idols, financial systems, they shake. And if we are not on top of that mountain, the only thing that is unshakable, which is his kingdom and his presence, We shake. Could it be that God's saying, come up into communion and fellowship with me because I'm about to speak and there's going to be a great shaking and I want you to be in the unshakable place with me. There's a song that I really love and it says, I was made for you. I was made by you. And without full communion... I am unfulfilled. Church, if we don't know God personally, we'll never have fulfillment. Because this is what we were made for. He made us in his pleasure to be with him. Thank you. I'm just actually just going to pray into everything that I've just shared, if that's okay. But I don't want to pray for you. As I pray, pray. You know, what is your desire? What's stopping you from ascending the mountain of God? Father God, I pray that everything that hinders, Lord God, you give us the grace to surrender everything, that we lay everything down to ascend into the presence, into the holiness of God. As you blast the trumpet of communion and fellowship, God, I pray that our hearts would hear and respond, that we wouldn't just respond with our mouths, that we would respond with everything within us, and we would ascend into the holy place of your dwelling, that we would know you face to face. God, we must know you. God, we have no other option but to know you. So Lord, would you grace us and empower us to come into that place of fellowship, into the sweet fellowship of your Holy Spirit, into the aroma of your dwelling, where we are transformed and we are changed, where nothing else is hidden, God, but we are fully laid out, surrendered before you. And you, my God, transformed. Transform us in the place of purity. Lord, would you do what only you are able to do? In Jesus' name. Thank you, God. So we have speaking after myself, the beautiful prayer woman. Woman of God. <laughs> and Edith's going to carry on um, along the, the topic of communion. Amen. Wow, what a powerful,
0: powerful. Let's give it up for Susanna. <laughs> Amen. That was so powerful. Intimacy with God and knowing God. Um, so I'm going to be speaking on communion with each other. Um, And I'd like to just say thank you, Pastor Joe, Pastor Stacy, for this opportunity to share with the church. So I'm going to dive straight in. Um, So if we can turn to Acts chapter 9, verse 26 to 28. So it reads, When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he attempted to introduce himself to the fellowship of the believers, But everyone was afraid of him because they doubted that he was a true disciple. Verse 27. uh, This is the, the verse that I want to focus on. It says, but Barnabas came to his defense and brought him before the apostles. Saul shared with them his supernatural experience of seeing the Lord, who spoke with him on the road to Damascus. Barnabas also told them how boldly Saul had preached throughout the city in Jesus' mighty name. And in the verse uh, 28 that I want to focus on as well, it says, Then they accepted him. Then they accepted him as a brother, and he remained with them, joining them wherever they went in Jerusalem, boldly preaching in the power and in the authority of Jesus. Amen. So just a little bit of background uh, with this scripture. Um, So Paul, before he became Paul, he was called Saul. um, And he was notoriously known for murdering uh, the believers. And he actually felt that he believed that he was doing God a favor. So on the road to Damascus, he has an encounter with Jesus. He gets baptized. He gives his life to the Lord. And he's on fire for God. Okay, and that was wonderful. That was great. But the problem is, is that he had to go back now to Jerusalem and he had to convince the disciples there and the believers there that he was actually born again. So he goes back there. And of course, nobody believes him because after all, he was killing people. Who's going to believe a murderer? Nobody believed him. So they were quite resistant to the message. They, They were not willing to take on board what he had to say. But then the verse 27 says, but Barnabas came to his defense. We're talking about communion with each other. It says Barnabas came to his defense. And Barnabas, we don't really hear much about Barnabas. He's kind of dotted around in the New Testament. Um, but Barnabas was an established man of God, and he believed in Paul, and he stood by Paul. He he actually risked his life, he risked his reputation to stand by Paul, to defend Paul at his time of need. And the Bible says that, you know, as Barnabas was there, he was persuading the disciples and the the believers that, look, this man is legitimate. He is truly, truly born again. You need to believe in him, et cetera, et cetera. And the Bible says that then, after that persuasion by Barnabas, the apostles received Paul. They believed in him. They received him. And Paul was able to go and do many mighty things um, in that area. So when I was pondering on this scripture, the Lord was saying to me, who have you been a Barnabas to? And it struck me. He said, who have you been a Barnabas to? And that's a question that I want to throw out to you guys. Who have you been Been a Barnabas too. So the name Barnabas actually means man of encouragement. So who have you been a Barnabas to? And I was just thinking in my mind, I was like, but Lord, I come to church, I pray, I do this, I do that. Yeah, but who have you been a Barnabas to? And I was just reflecting on my own life and just thinking about certain stages of my life where the Lord brought. Barnabases, if I can use that word, Barnabases, the Lord brought Barnabases to my life. He brought people who kind of emulated Barnabas to me. And I remember there were seasons in my life where I was going through really intense warfare, really intense fire, really intense war, really intense flood. And I almost felt like, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm going to lose my mind here. And I remember I was um, sharing um, what I was going through with my prayer partner. And she, she put me in contact with a counsellor. And um, I remember being in my car and I was ringing the, canc- the counsellor and I was speaking to her about where I was, what I was going through, etc. And this woman, as I was speaking to her, this counsellor started to weep. I mean, she was weeping on the phone as she was listening to my story, as she was listening to the fire that I was going through. She was weeping. And I remember thinking to myself, "Whoa." This woman doesn't even know me. She can't even see me. I could be anybody. She can't see me, but she was weeping, really weeping in her belly. And then she said to me, Edith, I want you to come to my house um, because I want to stand in warfare with you. And as a matter of fact, let me take it a bit further. She said, I want you to actually spend the weekend in my house. I mean, can you believe that? I'd never seen this woman before. And I remember thinking, whoa. But I said, okay, Lord. I went to her house. And by the time I got there, she'd prepared a bedroom for me. She'd, put a, she'd folded a towel with soap on it. I remember looking at the door. I had a, she put a dressing gown um, by the door. Everything was prepared for me. She was a Barnabas in my life. And as if that was, wasn't enough, she'd prepared a meal for me. And she had a, a shawl, a praying shawl, folded. She took the shawl and she put it on my back, and she said, "You don't worry, you don't need to do warfare. I'm going to do the warfare for you." This is a lady, even as I talk about it now, it, it, I, I choke with tears. I'd never seen this woman before in my life. She wasn't even the same color as me, it wasn't even the same ethnicity as me. And she was in her late 70s, she was like 78. She was nearly 80. <laughs> We're talking about being Barnabases, and this woman waged warfare for two solid days. She wept and she waged warfare for me. And I just said, "Thank you Jesus." And I know for a fact that if it hadn't been for her and other people, other barnabases that God had put in my life, I would not be standing here today. I would not be who I am today. Wow. Who can you be a Barnabas to? God is looking for us to be a Barnabas to each other. Your communion with others are acts of Barnabas. So every time we build authentic, um, sacrificial relationships with each others, we are emulating acts of Barnabases. I remember a man of God, um, he was speaking and he said, said, you know, we, we are all, we're all on a journey here. This is not our final destination. Spoiler alert, you're not here forever. I'm just telling you that for now. This is, you know, one day we will have to stand before our maker and we'll have to give an account to God as to the things we've done, the things that we haven't done, etc. And this man of God said, when you reach there, who would you have brought with you? I mean, how many souls would you have held their hand and brought them along the journey? To say, Lord, you gave me a talent, I've multiplied it, and these are the souls that I brought with me. And that, when that man said that, it, it, in fact, it changed my perception of my Christian life. It's not good enough to just live for yourself. You know, it's not good enough to just, you know, you come to church and that's great. You know, you've, you, you, you serve, that's great. But who, who are you actually bringing with you? When you stand before the pearly gates? Or are you just going to appear, me, myself, and I, I'm here, Lord. I'm here. Who Who are you bringing with you? So what does communion with others look like? We're talking about communion with others. I'm just going to go through three main points here. The first point is Communion with others, it looks like making room. So that lady I was telling you about, and by the way, I'm not at all advocating that you go to the homes of your counsellors. So please, just eradicate that. Edith said it was okay to spend the weekend with my counsellor. That's not what I said. But we're talking about making room. We need to learn to love well. And we need to learn to make room for one another's imperfections. And when I say one another's imperfections, let me change that slightly. We need to learn to make room for one another's differences. I'm sometimes so amazed at at how little grace we as Christians have for each other's, each other's differences and each other's, I'm so amazed at it. It's like one strike and you're out. You know, it's like you, you, we don't seem to have mercy for each other. I, I, is, is that okay to say that here? We don't seem to have enough grace for each other. You know, as soon as somebody falls, it's, look at that. It's supposed to be a leader. Like how? We're so critical. We're so, we're quick to judge. But look at us. Look at you. You know, how perfect are we? If it wasn't for the mercies of the Lord on us, where, and I've said this before, where would we be? We're so quick. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, it says, Let's make allowances for each other's faults. Let's forgive anyone, anyone who has offended you. Remember, the Lord himself forgave you, so you must forgive others. It's not optional, you must forgive others. I remember uh, a while ago, Pastor Stacy, she, um, she taught on relationships and she was saying a true reflection of your love for God vertically is demonstrated by your love for others horizontally. You can't say, I love you, Lord. I worship you, Lord. You're my husband. You're my this. I have a communion with you. And then you absolutely, you, you, you hate others. You detest others. You're critical of others. You know, others come to church It's like what was she wearing? Like, how's she coming like that? You're so critical. Like, look at him. You're so critical. No, that doesn't demonstrate your love for God vertically. A true demonstration of how much you love God is how much you love each other. Is how much you love me, is how much you love the person sat next to you. That's a true demonstration of how much you love God. We're about to join community groups. And you might well be in a community group with people that don't look like you. They don't talk like you. They're not from the same culture as you, etc. But potentially you could be a Barnabas to that person in that community. You could be the one that speaks life to that person. You could be the one that releases the destiny of that person. It could actually be held in your hands. And vice versa. That person could also be a Barnabas to you. So let's not write each other off, amen? So the first way that uh, we're looking at community with with others is making room. Let's make room for each other. Number two, showing up. And I love this one. So what does communion with others look like? It looks like just showing up. Like some people say, oh, I've got nothing to give. I don't have anything, Edith, to bring. You know, I don't have the anointing that X, Y, and Z. Just show up. You just turn up. You never know who you might be sat next to. We're all sat next to people here. Some of of them we know. Some of them we don't. You never know who you might be sat next to. You might be sat next to the, the, the next Paul or the next David or the next Joseph. You never know. So just show up. Somebody somewhere needs you. Somebody somewhere needs what you're bringing. Just show up. Amen? Um, I just want to read uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. And it says, This is not the time to pull away. This is the Passion Translation. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together. As some have formed the habit of doing. This is not the time. We are in battle warfare, if if you're not aware. This is not the time for you to stay at home. I mean, even if you stay at home, what, what, what kingdom are you building at home? Like, if you decide, I'm not going to church today... I mean for, for what? Like what, 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 what you what can do at home? Oh what what is there to do at home? Come on guys. This is not the time to stay at home. This is the time to come into the house of the Lord. This is the time to connect with others. This is the time to build the kingdom of God. Amen? This is not the time to stay at home. We're in warfare battle here. You can't afford to be in silo. The minute you decide, you see, the enemy, enemy, yeah, he likes silo people. Let me tell you. He likes people that are in silo. He likes people that are in isolation. Oh, yes, 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 yes. That's his dream. That's his dream. You know, when I think about... When I think about the battlefield and I think about the army of God, when we're all going out to battle, if anybody is missing, if you're missing in transit, you weaken, you weaken the defense, actually. You weaken the whole defense. Amen? And if you're injured, we don't all just continue in battle and leave you there injured. That would be very irresponsible. When somebody is injured, what do we do? We, we send maybe a couple of people. We crowd around them. We bring them to a place of safety. We restore them so that they can get back into the battlefield. Amen? And that is what we want to do in church, guys. But if you're missing, we don't even know where you are. You haven't connected to community group. You, you're not serving anywhere. You've not made any friends. Nothing. We don't know you. And then you have some people saying, but when I was in hospital, nobody visited me. We didn't even know you. We didn't even know your name, amen? Now is not the time to pull away. We're in a serious battlefield here, guys. You can't afford to pull away, amen? I can't afford to neglect meeting together. Um, the rest of that, that scripture says, in fact, we should come together even more frequently, even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day of the Lord. Amen. I was just mindful of a man of God in the Bible who decided to, um, he decided to, pull, he decided to stay away. If you, if you guys remember the story of David, it's in 2 Samuel. You can have a look at it later. The Bible says that at the time when the kings went to war, the kings were supposed to go to war in the springtime. David decided to stay at home. The time, we are, we are going for warfare. You've decided you're you, you staying at home. What are you staying at home for? And we know what happened when he stayed at home. In the evening, he got up, walking around on his veranda, and then he sees what? What does he see, guys? Bathsheba and we know the rest of that story so I'm just emphasizing and when you feel that you've got nothing to bring I mean there's so many serve teams here if you have nothing to bring and you feel you have nothing to do we have we have the set down is it set down pack down or pack down set up whichever there's a packing and there's a setting put them together and join the team amen we need more hands on deck. If you, if you go in that team, we will see you. We will see that you are there and we will see you are working. Amen. And the Lord who sees in private, he'll reward you publicly. Amen. So join a team, guys. Okay. Don't vacate your position. Don't vacate your position. Your position is vital. Every chair you're sat on is vital. Don't vacate your position. Romans chapter 12, verse 4. I'm just going to read again. It's talking about the body of Christ. It says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, each part of your body has a special function. Yeah. So my, my baby toe, which I actually, I, I broke my baby toe um, probably about four weeks ago now. It's different from my mouth. But let me tell you something. This toe, hmm, I couldn't eat. I couldn't do nothing. It was so painful. Literally. This is baby toe. Right. This is the special function. Okay. We are all many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. And I love that scripture that says we all belong to each other. Yeah. Yeah. My kids belong to me, and I will fight tooth and nail for my kids. Amen? But we it's the same with you guys. We all belong to each other. Your victory, guess what? Is my victory. Your deliverance, guess what? It's my deliverance. When you get your breakthrough, guess what? I'm praising and I'm worshiping with you. Amen? We all worship together. Why? Because we're all members of the same body. Amen. That's what communion with each other is about. We belong to each other. Amen. And the final, um, the final one I'm going to focus on, what does communion with others look like? It looks like building sacrificial relationships. Building sacrificial relationships. So we're talking about the relationships where you have to step out of your comfort zone. We're talking about the Barnabas type of relationships here. Amen. Acts chapter 2, verse 44 to 47. It says, all the believers were in fellowship as one one body. Daily they met in the temple courts. Translated today, we can say daily they met in, in church and in one another's homes to celebrate communion. They shared meals together. With joyful hearts, tender humility. They were continually filled with praises to God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were coming to life. Our communion with each other is needed to expand the kingdom of God, our communion with each other is needed to facilitate the destiny of others daily amen and I'm just going to end here on a quote by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr and it's like a prayer and when I read it it really resonated in my heart he said use me God show me how to take who I am who I want to be and what I can do and use it for a greater purpose if the band can can come up Use me, God. Show me how to take who I am, who I want to be, and what I can do, and use it for a greater purpose. God has called us into the kingdom for a greater purpose than ourselves. And we need to be intentional, as Susanna has has shared, we need to be intentional about developing communion with God developing intimacy with God, knowing God, ascending to that hill with God. We need to be intentional about that. And then we also need to be intentional about our communion with each other. So I'm going to leave you with the two questions that I started out with. Who will you be a Barnabas to? Who will you be a Barnabas to? And who will you be bringing with you when you arrive at heaven's gates? If you want to just rise to your feet, I want you to just kind of reflect a little bit on some of the things that you've heard this morning. There may be some of you here that you may feel that you've actually disconnected from God. Or you may feel that I'm coming to church okay, but I feel disconnected from people. It's like I can't seem to trust people. I'm afraid of even making those steps to open out and to be vulnerable again. The Lord is calling you back, the Lord wants to heal those wounds. The Lord wants to remove that wall that you placed around yourself, that safety wall, that protective wall. The Lord wants to remove it. And the Lord wants to restore you back first and foremost to Him and then to each other. And then I, I sense there's some of you that it's like... You know what it is that God has called you to do. But it's almost like you kind of feel, again, that, that resistance. You kind of feel, uh, if, for want of a better word, it's almost like fear. You want to be a Barnabas. You want to you walk in your purpose. But again, it's that stepping out into the deep. It's that stepping out. It's that stepping out. The Lord is inviting you. He's inviting you to step out into the deep. He's inviting you to reconnect, reconnect back with him. So Father, in the name of Jesus, (laughs) we thank you, Lord, that you are a God of restoration. We thank you, Lord, that you delight in your children desiring to know you more you delight in your children desiring to have intimacy with you you delight in your children being able to approach your throne of grace to obtain mercy and help in our time of need you delight Lord in having fellowship with your children Father God here we are Lord here we are Lord we come to you with open hands and with open hearts Lord Lord, we ask in Jesus' name, help us, Father, give us that grace, Lord, to reconnect back to you. Lord, you said that you are the vine and we are the branches, Lord, and without you, we can do nothing. Holy Spirit, I just wanna pray right now for anyone who is going through any situation, any situations that has disconnected them, even from each other and I just want to pray, I want to pray for God's healing over your heart, I want to pray for God's healing over your mind, I want to pray for God's healing over your soul in the mighty name of Jesus we just release the power of the Holy Spirit to just descend upon you now to restore you back to the person that God has created you to be in the name of Jesus And Lord, we decree and we declare that we will take up our rightful places, Lord. We will be Barnabases to each other. We will be each each brother's keeper in the mighty name of Jesus. We will rise up in the power and in the authority that you have invested in us, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Shari Ara Maka Come on, just cry out to the Lord now. Cry out to the Lord now. Cry out to the Lord now. Shari aramakasiki a ramakaya. Hiara makasi. Tell the Lord, I'm coming back now, Lord. I'm coming back now, Lord. I'm taking up my rightful place, Lord. I'm coming back, Lord. Use me, Lord. Use me for your glory. Use me for your glory. Use me for your glory, Lord. Use me for your glory. Use me for your glory, Lord. Use me for your glory. Amen. Say yes, you want to give God your yes?